Are you ready to take your leadership in your organization to the next level and beyond? Your competitors will be there before you know it. Today's leaders must perpetually innovate their leadership approach, evolve their organizations, and grow faster than the competition. Welcome to Innovating Leadership, co-creating our future with Maureen Metcalf. In the next hour, you'll meet innovative leaders who have become successful at the helm of some of the most respected organizations in the world, and you can become the next big success story. Now, here is your host, Maureen Metcalf. Hi, welcome to Innovating Leadership. We're talking about evolving to execute the topic of leadership maturity. I'm your host, Maureen Metcalf. I'm the founder and CEO of the Innovative Leadership Institute. We help leaders identify disruptive trends and develop strategies to transform themselves and their organizations into industry leaders. I'm a regular contributor to Forbes and the lead author on an award-winning book series focusing on innovating how you lead and transforming your organization. I'm also a fellow with the International Leadership Association. I am delighted that today joining us is Mike Morrow-Fox. Mike has over 20 years of experience leading technology and human resources operations for healthcare, education, banking, and nonprofit organizations, as well as several years of university teaching. His bachelor's degree focused on industrial psychology and employee counseling, and his MBA focus was on organizational leadership. He's currently completing his doctorate in educational leadership, and he is one of the co-authors on our book series, Innovating Leadership. So I am delighted that Mike is joining the conversation. So, so the session outcome, in order to exhibit all of the leadership behaviors that we have learned as leaders from reading insightful books, attending inspirational conferences, and listening to innovative podcasts like this one, leaders have to have a leadership maturity that facilitates the alignment of their aspirations and their behaviors. So, Michael, welcome. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here this morning. So let's start with the topic is leadership maturity. For our listeners, can you define what is maturity? Oh, that's a great question. Leadership maturity is defined as a measurable psychological state that addresses how leaders interpret collaboration, threat, complexity, complexity, and problem solving. So... That's a lot of words. Can you give me (laughs) – it's a list. Can you give me an example of a mature leader versus a a leader whose developmental maturity isn't as high? And I want to make the distinction for our listeners that maturity isn't age. And it's not what we would often look at an adult and say they're mature versus another adult and say they're less mature. This is a very specific set of descriptions. That's great. It, it, that's a, a wonderful way to do that juxtaposition. And so for your listeners, you know, they may remember early on in their schooling about Jean Piaget or Erickson or some of the other developmental psychologists that did work with younger people. And what we've got is some psychologists that have done work actually with folks beyond adolescence to take a look at their maturity, and then a separate group of folks that have looked at that maturity and how it relates to leadership behaviors. And what we'll find is is that uh, for those um, leaders that have high maturity, there is less of a disconnect 
between what they do and what they say. And that's, that's the short story. So I, I think you've had these experiences as well as a leadership coach where you come in and you meet with someone who is uh, saying, you know, I need my organization to be transformational and innovative. I'm not getting it out of my people. Will you kind of help me understand what's going on here and what we need to do? And so I'll come in and I can think in, in particular of one organization that I just recently worked with. And I went to meetings and I interviewed the C-suite team and I interviewed the um, uh, directors. And what I found was, was that the problem in terms of transformation and innovation was the CEO himself. <laughs> And that he valued competition and uh, blind accountability uh, and blind loyalty so much that the folks that worked underneath him were just afraid to speak up. They wouldn't take any of the risks that transformation and innovation needs. But if you ask that CEO, uh, can people approach you? Are you uh, open to risks? Are you encouraging risks? That CEO would say, absolutely. And it was that developmental maturity that was the disconnect between what he was trying to do and the environment he was trying to make and the environment he actually was able to make. And so that makes sense to me that I, I am demonstrating a set of behaviors that are consistent with what I intend. Um, and I want to build on that a little bit. And please correct me if I misstate any of this. It also has to do with things like time horizon that I'm planning out um, a, a number of years. So a, a less mature leader would be planning a, kind of a five-year time horizon where a more mature leader would be a 10 or 15-year time horizon. I have the ability to deal with a complex set of issues. So I'm thinking systems-wide and systems within systems. It, and my ability to deal with people in a way that is, and some of these are your words from your research, less defended, that, that I can find ways of navigating disagreement and conflict to bring a positive outcome. Yeah, that's great. That All that is exactly correct. And it is the ability to execute those things. So, for example, you know, you talked about time horizons. Most people will tell you that they, they try and be strategic and think of the long-range sustainability and uh, ability of the company. But in truth, when you watch their actions in a meeting or uh, uh, in, in the way that they do their strategic planning, it's those folks that have the higher levels of developmental maturity that naturally think beyond that short-term horizon. And it was really challenging. I've worked with a number of folks that are at a lower level of developmental maturity. Um, it's really challenging for them to actually see, oh, that's what it would look like if I was thinking longer term. Because they live in their own heads like all of us. So they don't necessarily have the frame of reference if they've not done it. That's part of the challenge. It's the biggest challenge. And, you know, what we see is that uh, um, what I run into all the time that I'm, I really appreciate is, is that there are people who are reading John Maxwell and Simon Sinek and are familiar with Daniel Goldman and Jim Collins, and, and they can actually quote these folks. And this is the leaders that they really aspire to be in their minds. But unfortunately, when you talk with the people that work with them or you watch their actual behaviors, there's this large disconnect. 
they can't execute it because their mindset is of shorter time horizons. It's of competitive short-term goals rather than long-term, how do you get there? It's about uh, creating relationships. Uh, The more mature folks will naturally create relationships and understand where those boundaries lie, how hard they can push someone in order to get accountability from them and how much they need them to be involved in the process. So it's these intuitive pieces that we find from folks who are at a higher level of maturity that they are able to execute that allow them then to actually behave like they would like to. And, you know, like Simon Sinek talks about in in one of his last books, Leaders Eat Last, um, for those folks of lower developmental maturity, that's something that they may aspire to, and they say, that makes sense. Uh, the folks that I lead are, are my charges, and I want to make sure that they're cared for first and foremost. But it is those folks that have the higher developmental maturity that actually just naturally do that. They appreciate the eloquence with which Simon Sinek talks about this, but they naturally do it because that's who they are. And it's not really about who eats in which order. No, it's about the care that you have for the people that are around you and your good instincts for what that care looks like. I think we'll talk later on a little bit about um, the four eyes of, of leadership execution and the transformational models. And it's really understanding people and in particular the people that you work with and the culture that you're engaged in. It's understanding that well enough intuitively to, to, uh, to know what it means to care for them and how they can be cared for in a way that allows them to flourish and help your organization flourish. So so you've used the word mindset several times, and this seems an appropriate time to call out. It's the mindset, not the checklist. Absolutely. Um, And so that's a great uh, uh, difference in the entire leadership development um, format in terms of what a lot of people will get when they go to leadership development training or coaching is kind of a checklist of here's what I'm going to try to do. Here's what else I'm going to try to do. Here's what else I'm going to try to do. And those are great. And those are helpful. and, And they're good prompters. But for those people that are improving their developmental maturity, let's say through through, uh, uh, going through meditation classes, you know, is, is one way that you can do do some of this stuff. Um, for those folks that are doing that, it's not about a checklist. It's about the fact that all of a sudden I've got all these pressures, and the way that I deal with them is not to then pass them on to my staff. I'm able to bleed them off through my meditation, and then I don't have to have a checklist that says, don't pressure folks for today's goals too much or they won't be able to strategize tomorrow. It's that from a mindset perspective, I don't, I'm, I'm comfortable enough to not pressure them, to, uh, to allow them to, to flourish in a way that, that is more effective for the organization. Beautiful example, because we both understand the meditation piece, but I've not heard anyone describe it as eloquently that meditation helps me take care of these pressures and focus. I train my mind to focus. And so it's not a superfluous activity. It's actually a hardcore part of being more effective, as is working out. Absolutely. The more that I can do to uh, have the mindset that allows me to be the person that I want to be, the person that I see in the the 
John Maxwell, Simon Sinek books, the emotional intelligence that I aspire to from Daniel Goldman, the more that I, I have uh, a comfort around myself and that, uh, that, uh, that need, you know, one of the big changes that people go through with developmental maturity is they flip over this barrier. They no longer need to be right. They just need to make sure it's, it is right. When I go to that point where it's not as important that I'm right, it's just important that we get it right. And it's almost kind of funny to me that, um, you know, two times this week I got it wrong, but thank goodness somebody helped me get it right, um, rather than feeling tremendously embarrassed and ashamed that I got it wrong two times this week. That's the, that's the change that happens when we start to see advanced developmental maturity, and actually it's measurable. It is measurable, and thank you for helping create the assessment that allows us to measure it. And we'll talk a little bit more about that later. Um, are, are leaders who are more developmentally mature more effective? And how so? How do we know? Yeah, they tend to be more effective, and we're starting to get some research on that right now. So we know that uh, transformational leaders, especially today, especially as we're looking at uh, 2020 and beyond, those leaders are, are forming new organizations. And, and the thing that's different about really effective organizations right now and the leaders that lead them is, is that they're they're um, large and gamely and very diverse, and they need contributions from that hugely diverse talent. So they need to be able to facilitate a culture where people can really work together. They need to deal with complexities that they just didn't need to deal with before. So the world changes so much now that the fact that uh, we're now putting tariffs on China can change several businesses in a way that they just didn't expect six months ago. And I've got to have the people uh, be able to figure out, okay, what does this mean and how do we weather this storm and what happens if the tariffs come off or get worse? So with complexity, with volatility, with diversity, with all of these things, the most effective leaders tend to be those leaders that are transformational. They're the leaders that create the environment, which is a transformational environment, for the organization uh, to have organicity <laughs> and for it to be able to, to move and evolve because the power, the thoughts, the push comes from the entire organization, not just from the lead person. And those transformational leaders tend to be those folks that fit the transformational leadership model, which I think we'll talk about in a little bit. But um, those folks uh, tend to have some specific characteristics that allow their organizations to form that system, that culture that can be an organization that responds in an environment like 2020, where things are very volatile, uh, very diverse, and, and really require the entire organization to respond. Beautiful. So how do we measure that? How do we measure that the, um, the, leaders, the, the leadership maturity or how do we measure the effectiveness? The effectiveness. And, and I, th that's a longer question. We have two minutes in this segment, but can you give us a high level of how we would measure? Yeah, you do. You use your traditional measures, and that is so. If you want to measure effectiveness, what we'll do is we'll take a look at organizations and leaders within organizations that are hitting their metrics. 
Um, because the interesting thing is, is that the traditional metrics of, of uh, ROI and employee engagement and uh, um, all the traditional metrics that we're used to, especially ones that have a little bit longer time horizon to them, tell us how effective the leadership is. The key is is that in order to get those metrics and have them over a long period of time, and we think about Wells Fargo two years ago and Wells Fargo today. Wells Fargo two years ago, there was a big push for what they called eight is great, and, and uh, by any means possible, they wanted to sign up people whether, uh, whether those people wanted to sign themselves or not. And there's a lot of articles on what happened with Wells Fargo and, and how that occurred and, and what role actually the leadership, the C-suite played in that. And the Wells Fargo of today has still got to hit their numbers. They still have to make sales. They still have to have a solid organization, but they're doing it differently. They're changing the way that they get there a little bit more sustainably. So we'll look at the traditional measures to say this is how an effective leader leads, but we'll know that somebody can lead that way because a more mature leader will lead that way, not by saying by any means possible, hit this number by this date. But what they'll do is get to know their organization and figure out a way to help lever that organization so that it does hit the numbers and does it in an ethical way. I like that. So we'll be back in a minute with Mike Morrow Fox, but just to to reiterate then what we've talked about in this segment, we've talked about defining leadership maturity and why it matters is that mature leaders are able to drive the kinds of transformations we're facing at this point in time. And we would measure their results the same way we have been measuring results by traditional things like ROI um, profitability, employee engagement. So we're, we're not creating some new, new approach to success. If you're a conscious capitalism organization, we would look at all of the measures of conscious capitalism to determine success. And, and we are seeing leaders in these later stages demonstrate consistently the ability to transform organizations and leaders not at these levels have have um, the frequency of, of transforming and sustaining transformation is much lower. So, Mike, do, uh, is that an accurate statement? And if so, we will go to break. Yeah, that's a great encapsulation. I appreciate it. So for our listeners after on break, think about who do you know who demonstrates this level of leadership maturity? We'll be right back. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The Innovative Leadership Institute is your trusted partner to create perpetual innovation and evolution in your leadership and organization. Are you ready to innovate and evolve? Since its inception, the Innovative Leadership Institute has been dedicated to helping leaders evolve their leadership mindset and skills and create organizations that can continually innovate to achieve results in a highly competitive and rapidly changing environment. We help leaders, management teams, and organizations identify and create the capacity to update how they lead, identify, and implement transformative solutions necessary to meet their mission and create strategic advantage. The Innovative Leadership Institute offers proven results backed by leading-edge research and a global network of accomplished consultants and thought leaders. 
visit InnovativeLeadershipInstitute.com. Maureen and her associates are ready to discuss your needs and tailor a solution to meet your goals. Move forward with the Innovative Leadership Institute. Visit InnovativeLeadershipInstitute.com today. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is on Instagram. Make sure you follow us and comment on our pictures from behind the scenes at our radio shows, live events, and around the network. We want to see what you have to share as well. Check us out on Instagram at Voice America Talk Radio. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Innovative Leadership, co-creating our future. To reach Maureen Metcalf or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to info at InnovativeLeadershipInstitute.com. Now, back to this week's program. Hi, welcome back. You're talking to Maureen Metcalf and Mike Morafox, and we're talking about leadership maturity. So, Mike, we both know that this is difficult to develop. Let's talk a little bit about uh, what that means. And since I have the numbers in front of me, I'm going to go through a few of them. It looks like the latest report uh, with David Rook published by PwC it indicates that there may be as many as 8% of leaders at this level that we think is most transformational called strategist. We've both seen other data that puts us at, at about 2% testing at that level. So at a point in time when this is so important, why is it that there are so few people at these levels? Yeah, and, and I think it's important to point out, too, you, uh, with that study and some of the others, is that we're not saying that 8% of the people in the world are at this level. We're saying 8% of the leaders are at this level. So when I think, you know, I think your listeners really will uh, um, empathize with the fact that probably about one in 10 leaders they deal with are, are dead on. They're these people who like, I'm so glad this person is in the room because they just have good instincts and they bring out the best in the team that they're working with. And then you got the other nine out of 10 that, that are, you know, um, either dictating or uh, a little bit off and you just have to kind of wield your way around it. So you really want this number to go up. We'd like to have a whole lot more people in leadership positions, uh, directors, VPs, board members, C-suite folks, um, we'd want them to be at a higher level of maturity. And it's so difficult to develop, if you can think about it, is that, you know, it's not like just going to a class and somebody saying, oh, yeah, I should be more magnanimous, or it makes sense that it's sustainable if I think in longer terms. Um, This is a whole new way of seeing things. 
this is a challenge to the way that I look at the world where all of a sudden I think, oh my God, I've been a vice president for five years. I think about the way that I've done sales. And never once have I thought to myself how we go through this cycle over and over again where anybody who needs a discount just has to hold out until around Christmas. Because when we do our year-end tabulations, all of a sudden we have a fire sale. <laughs> and, uh, uh, and I realized, gosh, my time horizons are, are predictable and short every single year. And all of a sudden I start to think, wh- why do we do that? Why do I do that? Why do I let our organization do it? And all of a sudden I go through this whole change in mindset about, first, about how I do sales. But then it trans, and I think, geez, what else do I do that's so predictable and so short run? And all of a sudden I start to change the way that I see the world. Um, the Center for Creative Leadership, one of the folks there does a great job, and he talks about general leadership development puts more water into the glass. It fills up your thoughts and ideas. It's important and it's wonderful. And it takes a glass that's, you know, half full or three quarters full and adds more and more content to it, which is really important and really great. But what he says is, is that they say that changing the developmental maturity is actually changing the glass. It's not changing what's in it, but it's actually changing from the round cylinder that you've got to maybe a little more uh, of a square piece that fits what we're doing today. And that's why it's so difficult to develop is because it, it shakes my core. It changes what I know. It changes the way that I trust. And it may dramatically change my behaviors and make me look at prior behaviors in a way that I say, oh, gosh, how did I miss that? So the difficulty is then I'm rewiring my brain and changing my thought process about everything. Absolutely. And, and, you know, if you want to really understand it, think about your kids. When they're 16, they're really different than when they're 22. And the folks that look at developmental maturity say all the experiences that they had have really changed the fact that when they're 16, they feel like they're invulnerable. When they're 22, they start to feel like, I got some vulnerabilities. And when they're 30, they realize I've got lots of vulnerabilities. That's the types of mindset changes that can happen developmentally with leadership as well. Great. I think that's a beautiful illustration that that we do see everything around us differently and and the most effective leaders have gone through that shifting process multiple times to get to this strategist level leader. Yeah, and I think you talked about it before, you know, it's not the lists that I have. It's thinking of myself as an instrument. If I don't have the lists of behaviors I'm trying to rote my way through, how do I become, how do I be that person that has the natural, long-term, collaborative, strategic vent that allows my company to, to, to really take off and set a culture that everybody's involved in? So let's shift to then what makes those leaders, and we'll talk a little bit more about how we evolve them. What makes them um, so effective in transforming organizations? Sorry. Yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, so I think a lot of people may uh, know about transformational leadership from the, the vantage point of the model, and it has four components to it. So first, we take a look at our traditional measures, like Collins did with his good to great folks, and, and you say, okay, these are the companies that went from good to great, but if we just look at traditional measures and those folks that have not gone from good to great, but have stayed really great, and we say, what do those leaders look like? They have four attributes. 
The first one is is that they have inspirational motivation. These are leaders who have the ability to inspire and motivate followers. And that really should be the largest characteristic of leadership is, is that I can inspire and motivate followers. The second one, and it's, these are all I's, they're called actually the four I's, is individualized consideration. Transformational leaders have a genuine concern for the needs and feelings of each followers, and what that brings out is the best efforts for each individual. So I get a comfort level with, you know, in particular innovation or some of the risks that I need to take to innovate because I have a comfort level with the culture and the leader and the way that the leader operates. The third one is an intellectual stimulation, which basically means that the leader challenges me to think uh, broader, to think bigger, to use tools that I didn't use before, but to come in and really get creative with how we look at things and don't just do what I did last week. And the last one is idealized influence, which means that the leader can be counted on to be a role model for these behaviors. So if I put that all together, I've got this package that's actually been researched where, you know, we've got someone who is walking the walk, someone who is inspirational and really understands and moving towards the mission, someone that I have a comfort level bringing new ideas to, and someone who is challenging me with the state-of-the-art ways of doing things. That's the picture that we get of someone who's really effective at making their numbers. And what the research is now saying is, I don't become that person who can do those things without having high leadership maturity. Okay, so, so we've defined transformational leadership with the four eyes, and basically you're saying that I can't just go to school to learn to be transformational by studying other transformational leaders, I have to actually go through this process that you talked about before of seeing myself in the world in a different way so that I can be inspirational, so that I can take on the views of other people. Is that correct? That's exactly correct. You know, I had students when I was uh, teaching college many years ago, I had students who would go away um, uh, go on a, a trip or, or spend a study a period abroad and come back and they'd say, I learned so much. And I could really tell that they had changed. But they didn't. I'd ask them, what did you learn? And it's not like they learned anything that they could articulate. They didn't fill the glass more. They didn't learn math. They didn't learn science. What they learned was, uh, gosh, I, I'm in a place that they don't speak my language and I can still be okay. I'm away from all my friends and family and, and I'm taking care of myself. Uh, I'm going to places that I never went to before. I'm eating foods that I never went before. Many people can identify with the fact that through this type of travel, I change. And that's the kind of change that leaders talk about when they increase their leadership maturity. I'm thinking of someone very close to me who tells exactly that story. He he did a three-month European trip, uh, Europe and and, uh, Soviet bloc countries when he was in college and came back seeing the world differently and it it has impacted it probably most of the choices he's made over the rest of his life starting with choosing to study when he came back because he was a fairly lackadaisical student to start with so can you tell us why why does that make a difference 
it, it makes such a difference because as I see the world differently, then I can execute uh, these wonderful four-eyed behaviors. And what happens is, is that we find that these people are naturally more collaborative and they set up cultures that are more collaborative. So everybody is thinking less about, am I right? And more about, are we getting it right? Huge difference there. These people are more threat savvy. They understand how to deal with threat non-defensively and how to take threat and turn it into creative conflict. These people are really good at complex problem solving. They take really big, um, you know, complex issues like tariffs and they say, okay, well, what does this mean and how do we deal with this now? Where do we think the world is going to be going? And you know how you can tell them? You can tell them, Maureen, because they're solving the problems that are really big without drama. They're just figuring out ways to navigate. It's like they've got some sort of compass the rest of us don't have. And the last thing is they're really good at coming up with approaches that are sustainable. So unlike the grade eight uh, uh, that, that was the old Wells Fargo, just get it done, sign them off and get it moving. Now they think of systemic approaches. So how do we sustain a large customer base, keep them happy and get them to involve themselves in more of our products? I naturally start to do this when I see the world differently in a more mature fashion. So, so one thing you listed there was collaboration. And what strikes me as we talk about collaboration, because so many of them, so many of us have a different view of what that actually looks like, that one of the, the elements that you talk about is I can take conflicting points of view and synthesize them and integrate them and have everyone who shared their point of view feel whole in the process. Yeah, that's a, a great description of it. That's exactly right. Uh, everybody feels whole. Everybody feels comfortable uh, being wrong and appreciated for bringing up a, a new point of view, even if it wasn't the point of view that we adopted. Um, it, it's a it's a culture and uh, uh, that's that really starts in the C-suite. Starts with the leadership. It's a culture that says, "Hey, it takes risks to innovate, and we're going to support you to take some risks. And sometimes you're going to they're not going to be the best risks, and you're still going to feel whole at the end of them." So is this an appropriate time to go through the competency model or do you want to save that for the next segment? I know we only have about three and a half minutes here. Um, we can go through that a little bit uh, in, in the next segment may be a good place to take a look at that. Okay. I, I just want to make sure for our listeners that you're able to hear what exactly does this look like and how do I know it if I see it? So, Mike, can you give another example of, uh, let's maybe walk through someone who has gone through this developmental process, and we know uh, we both worked with people who have. Um, what would I see as someone is, is transitioning from the achiever, which is Wells Fargo, get it done at any cost, to individualist, to strategist? And we've got about three minutes, to, so just a quick example. Yeah, what you'd see is somebody who asks more questions before they figure out how to get to where they're going. They they have a, a true uh, um, want to understand. So I think about the really mature leaders that I've worked with, and I've been really blessed to have worked to a number of them that have done phenomenal things in the companies that I've worked for. 
and and they're always whenever you get to them they're always more curious than they are dictatorial so they have a bottom line like Jim Collins talked about his folks they have a bottom line that they're going to achieve they know what the mission is and they're trying to get to the mission but these folks that are actually there in the room they want to understand well what is your trepidation or why aren't we doing this or what's keeping us from moving forward as opposed to those folks that are a little bit earlier stage who are like hey we got to get there we got to make them do it uh, uh, there was a guy uh, uh, last year we did a um I, I did work with a division, and I, I worked with a young woman who was doing a, 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 a retreat, a few-day retreat with, with an entire division. And uh, um, there was a leader there who was an early-stage maturity, and, uh, and the, uh, um, the C-suite of that group said, hey, will you make sure that this leader who's over most of these folks really gets some of the stuff that you're going here because um, – he really needs to listen and hear what's going on. And so they, we started the uh, retreat, and he got up, and he said, hey, everybody needs to pay attention. You're all going to be accountable for this. If you think that your job is safe, it's not necessarily safe unless you can do these things. And he didn't realize that he was the one who was, the one who was not doing them the most. And that by saying that, he actually set up a system that made it less collaborative rather than more collaborative. So it, what, what we find from, as I sum up for you, what we find is, is that when you're in the room with those mature leaders, they're curious, they're interested, they're going to take your information and figure out how to pull it in so that we can still get to the mission without them dictating just what they want to have done. Thank you. Yeah, my experience is it, I can tell it by how I feel when I'm with them. So I feel different with someone who is curious than someone who is pushing for results at any cost, especially when, when it seems like they're pushing for results so that they can get the bigger bonus, so they can get recognized rather than so we can all meet our customers' needs, as an example. And it's not that the strategist isn't equally committed to delivering results. They're they're often more committed, but it has a different feeling to me. Absolutely. So we are going to go to break again. And I would ask our listeners, during the first break, I asked you to think about who you knew who might be a strategist. At this point, think about how you feel when you work with someone who has these qualities that we're talking about, inspirational and more collaborative and more curious versus someone who is a little quicker to dictate how to do things. We'll be right back. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. The Innovative Leadership Institute is your trusted partner to create perpetual innovation and evolution in your leadership and organization. Are you ready to innovate and evolve? Since its inception, the Innovative Leadership Institute has been dedicated to helping leaders evolve their leadership mindset and skills and create organizations that can continually innovate to achieve results in a highly competitive and rapidly changing environment. We help leaders, management teams, and organizations identify and create the capacity to update how they lead, identify, and implement transformative solutions necessary to meet their mission and create strategic advantage. The Innovative Leadership Institute 
offers proven results backed by leading edge research and a global network of accomplished consultants and thought leaders. Visit InnovativeLeadershipInstitute.com. Maureen and her associates are ready to discuss your needs and tailor a solution to meet your goals. Move forward with the Innovative Leadership Institute. Visit InnovativeLeadershipInstitute.com today. If you're an entrepreneur, you want to focus on the big picture. But a growing business requires compliance, regulations, tax issues, and more. Listen to Candy Messer and Biz Help for You. Our program takes the guesswork out of the equation in order to give you the answers and peace of mind. From payroll to labor laws to entrepreneurial tips, you'll find something new with each week's episode. Biz Help for You can be heard every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are listening to Innovative Leadership, co-creating our future. To reach Maureen Metcalf or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to info at InnovativeLeadershipInstitute.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back to Innovating Leadership. You're with Mike Morrow-Fox and Maureen Metcalf, and we're talking about evolving leadership maturity. So this segment is going to actually focus on what do you do to evolve maturity. So Mike, can you tell us the difference between traditional leadership development and leadership maturity programs? And earlier you said one is filling up the glass and one is changing the vessel. Can you give us a little more on what that means? Yeah, that's great. And and we did the four I's for leadership. I got four R's for traditional leadership development. And, and both of them are, are essential. So when we look at, you know, and I don't go through traditional leadership development with a coach or in a class, what I'm going to look for are roles, rules, routes, and rights. <laughs> so from a roles perspective, you know, I might find out what does a leader do and, and um, how does a leader behave. And, and I may take a look at some of the stuff that we look at that's really important and helpful, like uh, um, situational leadership and what roles I take in given circumstances. That's terrific stuff, and I need to have it. Um, what are the rules that I need to follow? And I'll get those a lot of times from the culture that I'm in. And what are the rules around leadership? And, and uh, I'll go to a class and they'll talk about this is the way we do things and these are the rights and these are the routes. And in those classes, I really do get very good, very helpful checklists, very helpful tools, very helpful ideas. It's, it's tremendous. But what happens differently when we take a look at this psychological growth piece, and I, and, and I think the Center for Creative Leadership does a great job at, at talking about three specific ways that we do leadership development a little bit differently when we're trying to get challenged into psychological growth. The first one is colliding perspe- perspectives, and that is we get a group of people that respect each other and have similar power bases in a room, and we get them to talk. 
And as they talk, they learn from each other. And the colliding perspectives are, one person may say, if you don't have a, a competition and you don't have a good economic incentives, you will not have sales. And somebody else will say, we just increased our sales by 200%. We follow Daniel Pink's model. We're starting to hire folks for mission, not for commission. And it is changing our numbers as well as uh, our individuals. And all of a sudden, that change in mindset, that colliding perspectives, the new opinions, gets me a chance to really see the world a little bit differently. And it's a huge challenge that occurs. The second one that the Center for Creative Leadership talks about is elevated sense-making. And that's basically sitting down with a coach and being honest. Um, A leader that I dealt with last year talked with a group about coaching, and he said, I have to be honest. I went through coaching two years ago, and in the first session, all I did was cry. (laughs) And he said, I didn't expect it. I didn't want it. I wouldn't have expected it. He said, but coaching was the most important thing that I did in my leadership career. And as I started to talk, I realized where I was at, where I was not at, and all I did was cry. And that elevated sense-making, him and his coach talking through that vulnerability and what was making him cry, that was tremendously helpful in his evolution as a leader. And the last one is what Center for Creative Leadership calls heat experiences. And that's where the leader faces complex situations that disrupts and disorients where they're at. A lot of times this can be something where uh, somebody is given a new assignment in place. And I'm really good with finance, but now I'm doing human resource tasks. And all of a sudden I find out, gosh, I don't know exactly what I'm doing and my, uh, uh, um, my ways of doing things aren't working so well and, uh, um, and really getting hit with that new, uh, new uh, experience, just as we talked about with international travel can sometimes do that. Those three things, especially in conjunction with each other, can really change the way that I see the world and the vessel that I'm, I'm uh, containing it with. So then if I'm trying to develop, I should be going to programs that offer that or constructing opportunities where, where I am seeing, where I'm put under pressure. So not the traditional class where I get to sit and be comfortable, but one where I'm put into a situation that's very uncomfortable. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, that's a great way of putting it because I know I had a leadership development group last year, and based on us talking about leadership development, they all had a project that they had to give to the, the head of the organization. So it was very high visibility and high risk for them, and they all decided that what they would do is take a part that they had never done before. So the people who actually presented the program that they put together had never presented to large groups. And by taking that risk, by getting themselves into that heat experience, by talking it through with a coach and getting some elevated sense-making, and to get the colliding perspectives, as they said, I'd like to present it this way, and the group said, well, that's nice, but that doesn't work very well. You've got to present it this way. Those three things, those people will tell you, I was uncomfortable as could be. I sweat an entire uh, shirt away, and at the end of it, I'm different. I'm more confident. I'm more accepting. I'm more collaborative, and, and I feel more like a leader than I did before. Interesting. So, so again, those the disorienting dilemma or the, the heat experience, the colliding perspectives, and then the elevated sense-making, and that's the working with a coach or – someone, a mentor, 
to help me take what I've learned from that disorienting time from the different perspectives and help me really pull apart how I see the world and put it back together differently. Yep. Great, great uh, summary. So if I'm looking for something like this, how do I find it? Because I don't just probably go to the local online training firm and and sign up for developmental maturity class. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately today that's not how. So, you know, the traditional leadership development programs are still great. And so you still want to do those as well. But yeah, if I'm looking to uh, to actually change who I am, which is really what the highest leadership is, if I'm looking to get that level of patience that Simon Sinek will write about me for, um, then what I would do is I'm going to be listening for those experiences that are very intimate, that are very personal, that involve risk-taking, that I know I'm going to come out with uncomfortable. That's really what I'm looking for when I listen to what's happening in this leadership development program. And if I'm learning a new way of doing things, that's exciting and that's great. It's, it's really important to understand situational leadership and, and how I deal with my team that way. That is invaluable information. It's just phenomenal. However, if I'm looking to increase my developmental maturity, that's not the class that I'm going to pick. The class that I'm going to pick is the one where um, we're all going to go camping for a week and we have a coach assigned and the coach is asking some intrusive questions and, uh, and, and all of a sudden I take a look at that and if I dig into it and see that it has some goals and some structure around it, that's the one that I want to get to. Or I want to go to an organization that is uh, getting me into these experiences where I'm having to think through in ways that I didn't think through before. All of a sudden, that's when I'm going to find that, uh, um, that the way that I see the world is actually going to change. I can't predict it. I can't see it. I can't understand it. But if I get a sense that I'm going to be uncomfortable, I don't know exactly how to do this, um, that's probably the program that I'm going to choose. And so you've talked about elements like meditation. You've talked about hiking. I know um, my first Outward Bound trip, we had all kinds of issues. And, and that's not a comment on Outward Bound. It's a comment about that specific program. But a car almost drove off the side of a mountain and uh, we had people falling and damaging, um, doing nerve damage in their faces. It was incredibly disorienting for someone who is accustomed to going to work um, and sitting at a desk, not doing doing things that are physically challenging. Just navigating through that uh, presented a, a significant set of challenges. So, again, um, I guess I'm trying to point to something that, that can show up in a lot of different shapes. So it's, it's also leveraging the life experiences. When I lose a, a parent, I've, a colleague, when her father was dying, went through this kind of disorienting dilemma. She was a very senior executive with a large firm and basically said, I don't want my kids to be going through what I'm going through, which was I never saw my parent. And she reoriented her life at that point. Um, can you talk a little bit about how we do this if it's not through a leader development program? Well, I think the number one thing is is the mindset going into it, and that is that my mindset is not necessarily what stuff am I going to take away that I can write down, but it's really thinking of myself as the instrument. 
So, you know, in, um, in weightlifting, I care less about the class's information on weightlifting and more on actually being able to lift and seeing how that feels because I understand that lifting weights, I am the instrument. Uh, runners, you know, as a long-distance runner, when I take classes, I like them to have some technical background, and I don't want anybody to have nerve damage. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. but, you know, when I'm training for an ultramarathon, the, the most important thing is, is that uh, I realize I am the instrument. It's me. <laughs> we think differently when we think about these executable behaviors, but at the end of the day, the truth is, is that whether or not I'm effective as a leader depends on whether or not I can inspire people to follow me. And <laughs> if I don't have a natural humility, if mm-hmm. I don't have a, uh, uh, a, a, an ability to sense them as well, if I don't have a natural curiosity, if I don't have a natural comfort that allows things to unfold, then I'm not going to have people who feel comfortable and excited to be led by me, and uh, they will not be the type of folks that I need in this current environment. They're not going to do well under stress. They're not going to do well under uh, constant change, and they're not going to do well with a ton of diversity, and that's the environment with which we live in today. Well, and that those are the leaders that are going to be most effective, right? Those that you've described as uh, um, you've talked about over the course of the conversation, uh, curious, humble, good thinkers, in-depth thinkers, people who are reflective and can find their own mistakes being that vehicle doing the leading. Because to your point, it's not my computer that leads people, it's me. And if I'm a jerk then people won't trust me. Yeah, uh, that's, that's a great way to put it. I, I think we, you know, we can actually look back to something that's uh, an earlier model, but I think a lot of your listeners remember, and it's really true, and that is that I need to have developmental maturity because I want results. And if you think of Lencioni's um, pyramid, the way mm-hmm. that I end up getting results is that I get people to be accountable. And the way that I get people to be accountable is they commit. And the reason they commit is because they, are, they have a voice. They get involved in creative conflict to mold what's going on and underneath all of that is the only way I have that voice is to trust so if I'm a leader that can inspire trust then I'll have staff that will engage in creative conflict commit to things be accountable and get results and that's that's what we're looking for that that ability to inspire trust that sense that I have that this is somebody that can be trusted as a leader that comes from their developmental maturity Beautiful. Thank you. That was a a wonderful summation. And so as we wrap up now for our listeners, we really love to hear your feedback. Please do email me at info at innovateleader.com or comment on my LinkedIn or Facebook Innovating Leadership. Mike, how would people reach out to you and learn more from you other than the, the prior podcast that you've done? (laughs) <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> so they, they can they can uh, tell you that they won't. You know, I, my uh, contact information is on LinkedIn. So if they look up Mike Morrow Fox on LinkedIn, they'll get my uh, phone number. They can send me a a, a text, or uh, they'll get my uh, uh, Gmail address, Mike Morrow Fox at Gmail. And uh, I'm glad to get questions or uh, ask for research or any of the stuff that anybody wants. I'm I'm glad to respond to it. Thank you for asking. 
Thank you. And for our listeners, Mike also has several other interviews, and they are among the top listened interviews we have. We also encourage you to follow us on either through Voice America or iTunes, subscribe, or Spotify, or iHeartRadio. Basically, we are available through now most syndication syndicated podcast services so if you want to hear more of mike and other uh, very thoughtful people talking about leadership we do encourage you to join and i hope you have found this time useful and we look forward to another conversation soon thanks so much maureen thank you mike Thank you again for joining us this week. Please tune in for another edition of Innovating Leadership, Co-Creating Our Future with Maureen Metcalf next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We hope you'll join us then and have a great week.